It's time to go one-on-one with DP. Coming at you live from the Koppel Chevrolet GMC Studios, here is your host, Derek Pearson. Presented by Beatrice Bakery on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Hello, everybody. One-on-one. Lots to cover. Rico, we finally got a winner for the second part of the trivia. Super Bowl Square, who who was it? That we did. It was Corey in Lincoln, the leading rusher in whatever Super Bowl that was in 1988, uh, was Icky Woods. Icky Woods. Not Roger Craig. He had uh, Icky had 79 yards rushing. Uh, Roger Craig had a, a 71. Craig had 101 yards rushing. Uh, Receiving. Yes. And he is still mad at at uh, Jerry Rice for stealing his MVP. Uh, <laughs> I would be too. Uh, actually, was no, that was Montana's MVP. Oh, uh, Montana had 300-plus throwing. Yeah, that so. was Montana's. And that was Montana's. Yeah, that was Montana's MVP. Uh, a couple of things before we get to BT. Uh, you can join us Friday uh, to Sunday at the Home and Garden Center at Lancaster Event Center. We're teaming up with Culligan of Lincoln. We want to thank those folks for sponsoring this thing. Come say hi to us and some Husker athletes um, who are going to stop by, take pictures, get autographs. Friday from 1 to 9, Saturday from 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. We'll do a couple of shows from there. As a matter of fact, Friday, 6 o'clock, the uh, Priscilla Joseph show will be there. Rico will be there. Um, broadcasting live from there. Job well done. Saturday, uh, the post-game show will be done from there. Sunday, just a ton of folks are going to be there. Uh, athletes are going to be there as well. The admission is $8. You get a dollar off if you bring non-perishable and not expired food product for the Food Bank of Lincoln. And then, of course, Sunday, after 3 o'clock when we're done, we're going to pick up, head straight over the Super Bowl party at Buffalo Wings and Rings, 68th and 0, stop by, great food, drink, and lots of free prizes, all for the Super Bowl on Sunday. Uh, 402-464-5685, Sarder Heyman text line, Honda Lincoln hotline, you can hit us up, do so, hit me with a what's up, DP, hit me up with hit Rico with a what's up, Rico, what's up, Coach Thompson, and we'll answer your questions and get all that stuff done. Rico, do you have this man's, we must set the tone, we must prepare, we have to set the tone, the standard has been set. Uh, the only way to bring him in. The autumn wind is a pirate. Blustering in from sea. With a rollicking song he sweeps along. Swaggering boisterously. His face is weather beaten. He wears a hooded sash. With a silver hat about his head. And a bristling black mustache. He growls as he storms the country, a villain big and bold. And the trees all shake and quiver and quake as he robs them of their gold. The autumn wind is a raider, pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. There we go. There we go. Let's bring him in. Hey. You can't bring him until you hear the 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 bass drums. You you can't. Yeah. Let's bring in QB coach Barry Thompson. BT, what's happening, man? What's up, man? I understand you guys talking a little QB stuff this morning. Heard the tail end of you and Jay getting after it. And uh, before we get started, I had a little shout out to 
to G-Town. Uh, I know it's Nebraska radio, but I had to give a shout out to the, the real Coach T out there. What's, what's he? What's he, uh, he? Oh, sport the G. You, Give yeah, me the yeah, G, baby. Hey, listen, they just had the number one ranked player in the draft on campus. What? He appears, he appears to be a young man that is seriously considering. Uh, he's down to Georgia Tech, Notre, I think it's Notre Dame, and Georgetown. He's visited Arizona State. Uh, you know, with baseball players, they have that high money. It's rarely that they would forgo the money. Right. But I think things are changing a little bit. And this guy seems to be a guy seriously contemplating it. And it's a big move for Georgetown to get a player of that caliber on campus. So Just to get him on campus, bro. Yeah, yeah. That is, yep. that is yep. happened Saturday. And for folks who don't know, uh, Barry's brother, Edwin Thompson, is the head baseball coach at Georgetown. Uh, and I need to call him and tell him, uh, I give him my sizes as they, they order their seasonal apparel. I just have to make sure that he has the right size. I do not want him to err. Uh, <laughs> like, you know, I'm proactive, and I do not want – I call him right after we're done. Yeah, you know, said Edwin, sir, like I understand you big time now. Like, you know, it's big time, but he's got yeah. the G. And let him know, Jay Foreman is a, is a Hoyas fanatic. So is he really okay? We'll hook Jay up too. Yeah, he's a Hoya fanatic. So there's that. Yeah. So some of what we were talking about was the pipeline from youth sports to high right. school sports to college. Right. And in some of the places that I've been, the best programs, the best communities for creating, developing, uh, and extending the careers of of our young people is a connection between the the local university. So I watched Utah and BYU right. filter down to the high schools, not only with right. former players, but players that knew the system that they were running and who right. could identify talent, uh, manage talent, direct talent to them right. once their high school careers were over. And the best way to get right. high school players who were familiar with the systems in play was to make sure that the youth – groups under them directly under them and around them were connected right. and consistent in what they ran right for, for you you end up seeing quarterbacks from several systems several yes. school systems several little league systems is yes. there a way to make this pipeline work um yeah it's funny because i heard jay talking about is it eden, eden? yeah he was eden Yep. Right. And then you've aligned that. I, I think so. If you're talking about quarterbacks, yes, it, it, it's it's a cons it's a long term development. So it's consistency over time. And then what I try to do is just to make sure they're fully equipped. So I know if they're in a wing T system, they're going to be doing, you know, rollouts and throwing waggle and throwing flood and corner routes. I know if they're in a spread concept, there's certain types of things that you're going to be doing. I know if they're a run-heavy team that they need to know their footwork and things like that. And if they're a team that's going to pass the ball, uh, there are certain things that they're going to have to be able to do with the ball. All of it comes down to accuracy, and I kind of treat them all the same. So those things that I just mentioned, I don't siphon those off just for the guys that are wing T. Uh, my assumption is that an offensive coordinator or assistant could change at any time. So what I try to do is just to make sure that the quarterback that I'm working with is as well-rounded as possible so that when a coach asks him to do something, 
uh, that he'll be able to do it. Um, as far as running a consistent system, I certainly have heard of that. I've never been a part of it. You know, even when we were coached back in Woodson, they were running something at the varsity, right, which was different than what we thought was good for the young people that we had. But as we promised, they would be able to do those things when they got up there. I think that's that's the more important piece. Um, we just don't have those continuation models here. Uh, as far as quarterback development goes, the best I've heard is uh, Coach Dodge, Todd Dodge, I think it is, down in uh, South Lakes, Carroll South Lakes. Mm-hmm. They had a system where they would direct each of their high school or middle schools to play four quarterbacks through middle school, play them four. And then by the time that they got to the ninth grade level, they would kind of cut the four down to three and then finally down to two. So that makes sense if you're looking at quarterback development. I think quarterbacks get cut off too early uh, because their development takes a while, you know. And then, you know, what are you, what are you teaching them? Um, but the simplicity, I heard Jay talk about that. He says they're still running, I think, red or he used a color red, green. Red, orange, you know. We right. Need- well, around here, one of the most consistently successful coaches I've been around is Coach Vanek, and he's inside zone. Mm-hmm. So he still runs Twins Queen and, uh, you know, Con King, and those are his formations, and he runs 42, you know, and you can get with any of his players that have been on the sideline with them, and they can have similar jokes about it, his pacing and things like that. But, yeah, they have a simple kind of point of which they're teaching some fundamental part of the game. Um, and at the high school level, you have to be able to win a game regardless of the talent that you have. And so he kind of starts from that premise. When you start from that, and then you make sure that it's easily expandable, you can accommodate the additional athletes that come along while you're still winning football games. It's always I have to remove myself from the high school sphere of thinking when it comes to college coaches, college programs, and Mm -hmm. urgency. Now, as as high school coaches – you don't get to recruit. You don't go well, in most cases. You don't get to recruit. Yeah. Um, you, you and you don't really get to control the talent that's in your space. Usually, it's that's by right. zoning and districting. And right. you have look. You've got to get it done, no matter whether you have talent or not. Right. Yes. And that's correct. People talk about well it it you're having to do it year by year there's no consistency because uh, the players aren't there but the the essence of high school is that the players aren't going to be there for long you get them they're never going to be right they're not going to be there so you learn what things work for you how to identify talent specific to that year's team the program is the standard for culture and how business is done but yes from a coaching and from a player standpoint that player knows he's got Literally 10 games, maybe 15 if he's lucky, to build his brand and his resume. So he's got to get to work right away. And coaches, listen, you have two bad turns at a high, as a high school coach. Look, man, you're, right. you're, you're, you're going back to the science lab or going back to right. PE. You're not yeah. – <laughs> like this thing. Right. No. no, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. And, and so I, I, it would be interesting, you know, Jay's coach that you talked about at, in Minnesota, if I put Ravannick together – I'm sure they would have a similar approach. You know, they start with how am I going to win a high school football game? And how am I going to win a high school football game if I don't have a quarterback? That's where they start. Mm-hmm. You know, how does this whole thing have to operate? And then what can I get kids to do? And then you start thinking outward. 
so within his system, his system, there's a way of moving people around and it doesn't change the structure. And so when you look at it, you say, okay, that's, that's what he had that guy. When this guy shows up, I know exactly what position he's going in. Uh, it's real important. When you move to college, um, I think the urgency thing in the fact that development has kind of gone out the window, except for maybe schools like Wake Forest famously has, has uh, gone a development model and done fairly well with it. Not, you know, national championship level, but uh, when that urgency comes in, um, there are very few good decisions that are made in a hurry. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I've referenced this book a couple of times, but I just went back and read the prologue uh, of modern QB. And uh, he, he cites a draft, uh, a, a class of quarterbacks in 2010. Uh, there were 31 that were rated four and five stars. And the attrition rate of those quarterbacks was so high. And he talked about drafts, uh, for the 20 drafts or 40 drafts before 2013, like how few quarterbacks had hit, right, and actually gone to Super Bowl. Um, when that urgency enters into the equation, things do get missed. And so then you wind up with Tony Romo. You wind up with Drew Brees. You wind up with Russell Wilson. You wind up with, you know, Cam Newton. I say him because he was thrown on the trash heap at one time. Mm-hmm. I forget his descent, his ascent was not ordained. Um, you know, Tom Brady gets missed. Uh, so that's what happens with the urgency. You you just miss because you don't – I don't think that they're always tuned in exactly what they're looking for. Well, and sometimes coaching – people are getting credit for coaching – when they're a part of a, a talent pool that dictates that yes. they that they or assist uh, in yes. that there's a difference between you being a great manager of talent and you being a great developer of talent. Those yes. all of those people are needed at all levels. Why are we missing that? You the, need the development PCP is so undervalued right now. I you know uh, in social media, I know that what I do is good, and I know. Because I can see results. I can see players playing. I can see them. I know they're going to college. Um, you know, two points here. There are coaches, at least in our area. There are some who are so um, – I don't know what the right word is. But they they just like – they just put everybody who does what I do into a category. And they what they do is they miss the guys like myself who actually take a guy from point A and, and bring him to point B. I've got a three-sport guy now, three-sport uh, athlete, you know, four-something uh, GPA. He's going to go to Carleton. Speaking of Minnesota, he's going to go to Carleton, which is uh, one of the top liberal arts schools in the country. And in ninth grade, he he physically couldn't throw a football. Mm-hmm. So, you know, imagine if he hadn't come to me, they would have moved this guy to some other position. He, he would have played it. But the upshot is, in a program that didn't win a game his freshman year, uh, they went five, 500, I think, in the, his senior year. He set all kinds of passing records. And now this program that was lowly has now kind of turned around and has hopes of springboarding in the future. And they have two more quarterbacks that work with me that are coming behind. And the coaches switched to a passing game, right, because of that guy. But at ninth grade, if he hadn't come to me or somebody else, the coaches will look at him and says, oh, we'll, we'll make you a tackle or we'll make you – you know what I'm saying? Yep. And the guy that's come behind him in youth ball was a center. 
They had him a center just because he was a big kid. But he on his own said, I'd say, hey, I want to learn this quarterback thing. And then he shows up at the high school kind of ready, and they go, oh, we like you, right? Whereas if he had gone in. So that development piece, it gets missed. It's important. It used to be what our middle school football uh, sports programs used to do. There used to be guys there, and you get a chance to develop and kind of connect up, and they would alert the high school. I just don't know that goes on all over the place. Yeah, I'm trying to 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 wrap. We're talking to Barry Thompson, Fairfax Football Academy, of course. Barry is my high school quarterback, uh, lifetime friend, uh, my brother from another mother with several other <laughs> brothers. Um, but he, more than anything else, Barry helps me organize sports and life thoughts um, probably better than anybody on the planet. And he's a sounding board for me because it's like, well, Barry, this doesn't make sense to me. Help me out. And usually if it doesn't make sense to me, it doesn't make sense to Barry either. Right, so right. <laughs> so it, it, it kind of it kind of helps me understand this. Um, in a place – in the place that Nebraska is currently, right? Right. You've been in that situation as an offensive coordinator, quarterbacks coach, passing game coordinator, to walk mm-hmm. in good programs and bad. Right. To, to help redirect them, fix them, complete them, elevate them, all of those things being true. Mm-hmm. For Mark Whipple, for Mickey Joseph in this space, when they bring in their ideas and knowledge and such, there's always the issue of a head coach who is the head guy and who has his mm-hmm. belief system in place. How do you coordinate those things to work? What's going to be Nebraska's uh, bridge to success in making sure that Mickey, that uh, Mark Whipple and Mickey Joseph and Scott Frost get on the same page to accomplish the same things they're trying to accomplish? Um, I'm not worried about Mickey and, and Whipple. No. Uh, you watch the, some of the past concepts that they ran down in uh, at LSU, especially that boundary flood concept. I hope Mickey brings that with them. Um, you know, those are offensive minds getting together. It's, it's the control thing. We mentioned this a couple different times. Hopefully the three of those guys have sat down and they've articulated exactly what it is, uh, what each of their roles will be. And that the only thing that they have to do is just remind each other when a boundary is being crossed. Hopefully that was done up front. Hopefully that was done. If it wasn't done clearly and it's not consistent by any of these people, um, then there is going to be conflict. And the thing about football, it, it, you don't have to know much. You can, you can easily tell when it's not right, you know, just from whatever reason. Like it, sometimes you hit the field, you hit a practice field, and it looks and it feels a certain way, and you go, man, there's a lot of good stuff going on here, right? You may not know talent or any stuff but you can tell it's organized and, and it's clear and everything's moving in the right direction um so hopefully when they get out start turning out to the spring uh ball and you start seeing them getting outside a little bit more hopefully it looks a little bit different than than what it did before um it should make sense is the bottom line it should make sense it should be understandable we hope. Football, football is not really complicated. Yeah, we, we hope it makes sense. We hope it looks yeah. – <laughs> right? Like we hope – look, because yes. now – and there's been a lot of discussion over, well, Nebraska had talent in, in, the, receiver, in the receiving room, right? We knew Manning and Betts, right. Right? right? Oliver Martin, those guys. And now you've added several guys who, in theory, know the systems of the new coordinators, know the responsibilities, know the workload. 
Right. But you've done this as well. You've been at programs, powerhouse programs, that when you walked in the, do, in the room, there were existing pieces of talent. But mm-hmm. the new talent that was there also had their eyes wide open because they had a new opportunity to reset yeah. themselves in the, in, in, in the space. How do yeah. you handle that? Yeah, well, hopefully that, that happens. I mean, that's good. You, you In a situation where you're not winning, uh, there, there are two, two big things that I think are really important. I call it alignment. We're talking around this. But this idea that everybody in the program, even the person that empties the trash cans at night, uh, from the secretaries, whoever's in those offices, that everybody in that program is pulling that rope in the same direction and at the same time, right? So that's you want that done. That in itself will make some people uncomfortable. Uh, they'll want to drift away. So that that action alone makes everything better. Mm-hmm. Then the next thing you want to see is competition. You want people competing. The best, the quickest way to a player's heart and head is through his butt. If they're threatening to sit down yeah. and you know, they have to sit down, it, it, it just gets to them if they're really players. So that alignment thing gets rid of some toxicity that's in the program. That gets you going in the right direction. The next thing is you want to see competition. So hopefully some of the guys who stay, they do reset and say, hey, the, the marching orders are clear now. Now I know why I'm working so hard. And now I know the path for me to get to uh, get to what I want. Yeah, and they know the work is happening, bro. These dudes are yeah. coming. I, hey, BT, I, I peaked, man. What are we eating today? What are, what are ah, we making? Ah, you doing? did peak. Oh, bro, uh, you got me today, it, man. <laughs> This dish, uh, every every culture, I think, has a, a version of uh, pork and beans, except our – and not – I know there's people out there who love pork and beans, but uh, the Brazilians, they, they are up here. There's a dish called feijoada. It's F-E-I-J-O-A-D-A. If you look at it, you don't speak Portuguese, it'll mess you up, but it's called feijoada. And it's a national dish kind of a Brazil traditionally eaten on Wednesdays and Saturdays. Um, it's meat with a whole lot of meat in it, uh, beans with a whole lot of meat in it, soak the beans overnight. There's some salted meats. It can be used something called carne seca. You can use uh, ham hocks. Those things are soaked to get the salt out of them. Uh, the beans start to cook. Uh, you put in some basil. Uh, you put in some uh, – I used uh, uh, pork sausage called linguica. Another uh, pork sausage, a thick slab uh, bacon is used to flavor this thing. It cooks. Uh, you take some onions, some garlics, and that thick slab bacon. You cook that down. That becomes a flavoring agent in it. Uh, you cook some rice with it. There's some, uh, I think, called a Brazilian vinaigrette. It looks like salsa, but it doesn't have any heat in it. It's just uh, onions, tomatoes, green peppers, a little parsley, a little white wine vinegar, olive oil, salt, and pepper. Uh, there's another dish called uh, farofa, which is a cassava flour that's toasted. And what you do with that is you take, again, some bacon and some onions and some garlic. You cook it down. You put the toasted cassava flour on it, and you just stir it up. You may add a couple pats of butter to it. That makes the farofa. So you have the beans with the meat mm-hmm. and the rice mm-hmm. and the farofa, mm-hmm. and then you got to mess up some greens. <laughs> uh, I parboil those, and then when you're ready to cook, again, olive oil, a little bit of garlic, salt, and pepper, just put them on the side. And then it sounds strange, but uh, slices of orange, 
Uh, you'll see it on the plate. They really, it really goes well with all that stuff. And some people cook the fish water with a little bit of orange in it. A thousand different recipes out there for it. Uh, makes, feeds a whole lot of people. It'd be a perfect uh, Super Bowl dish. Uh, so if there's anybody out there, try it. It's not that hard. Soak in beans, soak in meat, put them together, follow the recipe. The only thing I'd recommend is you may have to find some substitute. Do not substitute uh, beef jerky for the carne seca. Skip yeah. the carne seca. Right? Uh, totally uh. different. But other than that, feeds a ton of people. I've still got some left, DP, if you want to come over. And hey, get bro. Some. I'm, working, I'm working on – there's some reunion stuff happening, so I'm working on getting back to D.C. Uh, okay. for some of these uh, high school reunions. That hey, I'm going to be out – I may be out in Indiana, uh, uh, the combine there, probably the uh, end of the month, uh, 1st of March. I may, I'll keep you posted. Might be out there for the basketball tournament as well, right about the same okay. time. Okay. All right. Yeah, NFL combine. All right, yeah. March first. Well, no, this is this is pre combine. It's one of the small school combines. Okay. Forgot. Forgot. Uh, yeah, I'll keep you posted. Yeah, we might be there. Um, do me a favor, take the video of you making your dish, tag ninety three seven the ticket, tag me in it. So we can show okay. folks the actual work. Good stuff, BT. Put, put, it on, put it on Twitter or Yeah, put it on Twitter. Yeah, they need okay. to see this, bro. All right, I will. All right, man. Love you. All right, love you too. Bye-bye. That's Barry Thompson, football coach, quarterback coach, all-around good dude. Throw the break. Come back. Uh, Want to talk about uh, ticket weeknights? <laughs> Here's another good one. Got some details for you when we come back. Download our app by searching 93.7 The Ticket in your app store. You're listening to One-on-One -on -One with DP on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com.